Mindfulness Mode 185. I felt in my heart something start to bubble up. I realized and mindfulness has taught me there's this thing that comes out, this emotion. But the choices I make, what did I do with that emotion? They don't have to be connected and they don't have to be negative. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Lankford. On Mindfulness Mode, I talk with people from all walks of life to discover the many ways mindfulness has impacted their lives. Hey, Mindful Tribe, great to have you with us again today. Last time on episode 184, we featured Calvin Wayman, and what a terrific interview. Now, this guy has so much advice. Like he says, if something's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. Well, now there's some food for thought. There's a different way of looking at it. And another one, give yourself permission to be imperfect, but just keep going. And he's got a book which is awesome. And he's talking about meditation. If you're learning to meditate, get with people who have done it. That's his advice. So today we have a school principal who is truly inspiring. I mean, every school should have a principal who is mindful. Every school should have a principal who really cares about bringing his teachers into the leadership space, about helping them flourish, helping them learn what it means to be a great leader through mindfulness. I think you're going to really enjoy hearing Danny. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Danny Sunshine Bauer. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I am really excited today to have Daniel Bauer with us. Hey, Daniel, are you in mindfulness mode? I am there. I am there, Bruce, right with you, buddy. (laughs) That's great. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Daniel, well, I was going to say Danny Sunshine Bauer because that's what he's known as, Danny Sunshine, but his actual name, Daniel Bauer, is a principal at a middle school in Texas with 1,500 students. He's dedicated to the success and development of school leaders, and he helps them create a winning culture by focusing on what's truly essential so they can lead with courage and integrity. Daniel believes in mindfulness and using it with his teachers and students throughout the school year, and he's going to be increasing that. We're going to talk about it today. So, Daniel, what does mindfulness mean to you? I love that question. And, and I think it's, it's sort of like a, a recalibration. It's, it's a pause. Uh, it's a breath. You know, it's, it's a comma that you just need to take a break, that you need to recenter yourself. Things are going on. Life is busy. All sorts of stuff gets thrown at you. Stimulus, uh, emotions, conflict. And it's a way of just getting back in touch with yourself uh, your true self so that you could be a little bit more connected to yourself, to others and in control. And we all need to be more connected. At least I know I'm always working on that, but I love what you said. It's a breath. It's a comma. That is great. Now, how do you use that to help some of your teachers become better school leaders? I think the highest compliment that was paid to me so far, and and just to give you all context, uh, that, that this is my first year at my school in Houston. And 
I heard from the Godfather, the superintendent himself. He's, he he slipped me a <laughs> message through a, a courier. He didn't even deliver it himself. It was great. There was there was no you know horse and no cut off head in my uh, bed or anything like that. But uh, he said, "Do not change anything this year." And I know that people they fear change that sort of thing. Yeah. And the school is actually very high performing, so I wasn't going to change a lot anyway. But once right. I got that message, I knew I wasn't going to change anything. Right. The what I what I really appreciate the highest compliment that was paid to me. This is a, a very high performance school. It has very engaged parents, uh, very powerful parents too, and uh, they're kind of high strung to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so are the teachers. As a result, this community is is very high achieving, uh, but they could use some mindfulness. They could use taking a pause and taking a breath. And so what I've been able to bring to the school, the counselor said, Michelle, she said, you know, Danny, what I love most about you so far, and I've only been there uh, two and a half months at this point. Within two weeks, she said, uh, I, I love the calming influence you've brought to the building. And and that's good for me because I'm in control and I, I don't go on some emotional roller coaster. It's sometimes bad for me because Parents and teachers, they're they're normally used to you jumping, right? Like right. we said, we needed this now. Like it needs to get done. Do it, do it, do it. And I and I and I just smile. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, I'm calm. I said, okay, we'll we'll get to that. That's important to me. And I don't go crazy about it. And sometimes I think that that frustrates them, ruffles their feathers a little bit, or maybe it's just they're not used to that. They don't know what to do with that kind of response. But when Michelle said you brought this calming presence to a building, and I had been there only two weeks. That really meant a lot to me. Yeah, that is a big compliment. Why do you think, Daniel, that you have that calm side of you? I like how I feel. I like who I am when I'm calmer. And, you know, there's been times in my life when I feel out of control with anger. Uh, There's been times when it's been really dark and I've been very depressed. And when I've been able to find that inner peace and that calm, you know, I, I like the metaphor, this this illustration of, uh, you know, you got this crystal clear lake. You know, it could be Lake Michigan. I used to live in Chicago and you could see, let's say, out, out in the middle, you could see down to the bottom. Right. And the water is nice and crystal clear and blue and you could see the bottom and everything is just it's, it's very clear. But storms of life come through. The waves start happening. Maybe it starts to rain. There's thunder and lightning and all that stuff. And all of a sudden, everything's a mess, right? I like the calm water. And so I, I, I think it's just something that I prefer. You know, I'm, I'm a better human being when I'm like that. And so I try to get to that place as, as much as possible. So, Daniel, do you meditate? And if you do, tell us about your meditation. I do. I'm, I'm learning about it. You know, there's the, I'm, not, I'm not an expert at all. You know, very much a novice, very much a learner. Uh but what it looks like for me is just finding time, uh, sometimes in the morning. I like doing it also in, in the middle of the day if I can at work, uh, sometimes in the evening. Um, you use it for different purposes. Uh, in the morning, it's just kind of sort of like setting the tone for the day. In the middle of the day at work, you know, I just want to break and, like I said, recalibrate. Uh, at night, I found like if, if my mind is playing a repeat of some type of story or image or something that I don't like and my, and my mind's not letting it go. It's gripping it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've used uh, mindfulness and I've used the practice of meditation to let it go. Uh, 
the illustration I like to use, the symbol I want people to think about, close their eyes, is like, you know, imagine closing your fist and holding a, just a beautiful red balloon. And that nasty feeling or emotion or story, that thing that's bothering you is that balloon. I like visualizing, holding it, and then letting it go and watching it just escape into the sky somewhere. And that's that's the way I'm able to let go of stuff. Uh, so that's like a visualization technique. But really, it's a focus on the breath, you know. For me, it's just uh, uh, getting quiet and breathing in, you know, thinking about and just thinking about that breath and slowly blowing, you know, that air out and, uh, you know, focusing there. And that really, I find, uh, helps me clear my mind. Uh, in the pre-chat you talked about too, you know, do you run that type of stuff? And I, I do. Um, and it during those times, I don't find myself focusing on my breath. I, I find myself focusing on not dying, <laughs> you know, because I'm running so much. <laughs> okay, but, yeah, but, I was going to talk to you about your running. So focusing <laughs> on not dying. So it's basically yeah. <laughs> focusing on going forward. Tell us yeah, more about that. <laughs> you know, I say it tongue in cheek, but I've, I've trained for marathons. So, you know, you're out there for quite a while. Um, I got injured, so I run two marathons. I trained for a third last year, uh, and I didn't get to participate in it because I, I hurt my, my foot. Um, but I'm training for the, I'm doing a half marathon this year at Galveston, Texas. Uh, and it's been a, it's been a little while since I've, I've run. Now I'm doing it again consistently. And I forgot how much I loved it and how much I missed it. Cause sometimes I run for music. A lot of times I don't. And, uh, what I've realized is that, you know, you, you, you actually, so I don't focus on my breath, but I, I'm kind of focused on my heartbeat and the pace uh, uh, and then I realized, oh my gosh, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, one hour, maybe even more has gone by. And I really haven't thought deeply about anything and I feel just great. You know what I mean? And yes. it's, it's just, it's just that connection again with myself and just kind of an emptying, a decluttering, a sweeping out of my mind. And I really, really enjoy that. Did you always run as an adult or when did you start? Yeah, no, I didn't run. Cause again, it's a terrible, terrible habit to pick up. I started running because in my church they had this group, Team World Vision, and they would run and fund clean water projects uh, through the nonprofit Team World Vision. So you'd, you'd fundraise money and then you'd run the marathon. And in Chicago, too, it's a very, very popular marathon. I think it's number one in the world in terms of size. Uh, and you can't get in um, except through the lottery, right? It's not like time-based like Boston is. Okay. But if you run for a nonprofit, you're guaranteed a spot. So a lot of people do that just to get in. Anyways, one day sitting in church, uh, they they had a call to action to join the team. And I never, I never wanted to run a marathon, Bruce. It's yeah. a terrible, terrible idea. But I, I felt this prompting to run and to invite my high school students so I ended up uh, asking the leaders of Team World Vision, hey, how old do you have to be to run the marathon? And have you ever had high school kids do that? Mm -hmm. They said, well, you have to be 16. And no, we've never had high school students do it. So the, the next day, Bruce, I went into school, had no idea what I was talking about. I went to every sophomore, junior, senior advisory or homeroom, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And I said, who wants to save someone's life and who needs community service hours to graduate. <laughs> so they were excited about that. And they're like, huh, I've never saved somebody's life. I said, we're going to run a marathon. And they're thinking, cool, that's just a couple of miles. They had no idea of those oh. kids, how long it was. Okay. But, but to make a long story short, the first year I had 46 high school students from the South side of Chicago that looked nothing like marathoners, you know, wow. all living in poverty. It was 
very inspiring story. 46 tried to run the marathon, 40 of them finished. And then over three years, I had over 100 kids complete a marathon and we raised over $25,000 for clean water projects in Africa. Wow, what a story. What an inspiration you've been to those kids and I'm sure to thousands in your community. That's amazing, Daniel. Wow. And you're still doing it. Still doing it. That's right. Now, are you going to take it into your present school? Are you going to mention to some of those students about getting into running? So I'm, I've been thinking about that. I need to get uh, with some of the uh, government officials uh, and the parents and figure out how to set up a race. So those kids, since it's middle school, they're too young for right. a marathon. Oh, that's right. But I, th I think like a 5K or a Team World Vision specifically, if we want to continue doing the clean water, they have something called a 6K for clean water because I guess on average – that's about how far people walk in Africa. If they don't have access to clean water, that's about okay. how far they walk. Okay. So I've been flirting with the idea of, of doing a smaller race like that because our, our kids can knock that out. You know, it's just three, uh, three and a half miles, four miles. You know, they can do that. Yeah. Now, earlier w when I asked you this question about running, you said, oh, running is a terrible habit to pick up. Can you tell us what you mean by that? Do you mean like really tough or what do you mean? I'm just being silly. You know, it's just because uh, you, when you're running a marathon, Bruce, it's a lot of work. You know what yeah. I mean? And you put a lot of time into it and a lot of wear and tear on your body. But, yeah, I'm just joking. It's a great habit. I mean, being healthy, being fit uh, and clearing your mind while you're doing it, too, is, is a great investment of, of your time and effort. Uh, the other thing that I love about running as well is you know, it could be with a nonprofit, sometimes a faith-based group uh, to run with. There's also just people that that uh, rally around different causes, whether it's trying to find a cure for cancer or even sometimes it's uh, finding uh, animals, you know, a home that are homeless. So there's all sorts of causes. And sometimes they're just purely social groups where you uh, connect, run a couple miles and run to a, a bar and grab a beer, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's a great way just to um, – build community to be connected to other, you know, fantastic human beings. And so, yeah, I definitely encourage anybody, everybody, even if, if you're starting later, like me, you know, I wasn't a runner and I started doing it and I fell in love. So, so yeah, how old were you now, when you started doing it, Dan? Uh, like really 35. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I was not a runner before that. I love being on a bike. I find that I, I turned back into a kid when I'm on my bicycle and yeah. riding around trails and stuff. And and don't get me wrong, like I, I've always been active. I love playing basketball. I enjoy uh, lifting weights, but I never was a runner, you know, for extended amounts of time. But that, that has turned into something I really, really enjoy. Yeah. So could you just tell us a little bit more about what it does for you? You've told us a lot about what it does for others. So when you run, do you feel a sort of it clears your mind? What What's it like for you personally? Yeah, it's definitely like a mind dump. I mean, uh, even if it's just a, a, a jog or if it's a sprint, uh, I find that it, it declutters my mind. And it's just a way, again, like I said in the beginning of the show, you know, to, to recalibrate. Yeah. Uh, and I love being outside, too. Uh, so where I'm at now in Houston, I'm off a, a trail called the Buffalo Bayou Trail. And so there's this little bayou and there's all sorts of trees, you know, and trails and so it's just it's a connection and to nature as well. And it just helps um, give me joy. You know, I find a lot of joy doing that. Uh, it, it fills up my soul, it fills up my heart. And uh, I'm a much more generous and compassionate person. 
after I go out there uh, for a run. Well, speaking of joy, I know that there's a story behind Danny Sunshine. Can you tell us that story? (laughs) (laughs) So, man, you know, life can be really, 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 really hard, Uh, extremely hard. And, you know, tough things have have happened in my life, Uh, you know, whether that's that's uh, growing up, you know, parents getting divorced or. You know, when I was when I was like 25, 26, I actually found out that that the guy I grew up with wasn't even my dad, that it was somebody else. Uh, and to hear that story, to to think about that, that story was hidden from me, too, for, you know, a, a number of decades like that, that is hard. And, you know, relationally, I've gone through some stuff as well. Uh, can't don't feel like I should share it yet because no. it's 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 uh it's you know, my former partner's story. And sure. uh, I, don't, I don't know that she'd be comfortable with it. So sure. I'm going to respect that. But the point is, I've been through some stuff and it's been really dark. And so what I realized, am I going to focus on that? Am I going to focus on the th- things that suck, that stink? You know, mm-hmm. is it going to be a poor me sort of attitude? And you can do that and get paralyzed and, and feel sorry for yourself. And What's that really going to do for you? You know what I'm saying? And so I, I, I said, listen, my, my God-given name is Daniel Evan Bauer, and I love that name. Doesn't it sound like an author's name, Daniel Evan Bauer? It, like, it works. It works for me. But I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put out there, I'm going to have people call me Danny Sunshine because anytime that there's clouds, you're guaranteed sun is right around the corner. It doesn't always last, and sunshine always comes back. And so it, just, it, it, it gave me a sense of hope, a sense of something to look forward to. And uh, that's kind of why I changed the name. And now when I tell people, you know, my name's Danny Sunshine, a lot of times they'll chuckle, they'll laugh. Like it has this effect on people. Yes. And I was I was in California after, you know, some things got messed up in my former relationship. And I just went to L.A. with some friends uh, that live there to kind of. Um, just take care of myself and lick my wounds. And I was out there skateboarding. I was just having a blast, Bruce. And then I got in the wrong mindset and I got real angry and I started skateboarding faster and faster. And I went flying. I mean, I, I did the Superman. I was flying through the air in LA looking really cool. And then I hit yeah. the pavement and I'm bleeding everywhere. I'm surprised I didn't bite off my lip. Like I was a mess. I needed stitches and everything. I had to go to the ER. Like, it took forever to, you know, recuperate and all this. Uh, it, but when I went to the ER, they said, um, you know, what's your name? I said, Danny Sunshine. And the guy goes, uh, you know, do you have any allergies? And I said, I only have one known allergy, sir. And that's clouds. And everybody started laughing in the ER. And, you know, that's that's the thing. Just want to bring joy to people's life, you know, lighten the mood, have, poke a little fun at myself, yeah. uh, be happy. And, and uh, you know, I think that that name kind of captures the essence of that. Well, that is a great story, Danny. And I want to ask you if you have a teacher on your staff, like hypothetically, and that person is going through that hard time and they're feeling poor me, you know, oh man, I just feel so terrible. And then they're kind of spreading that. How do you change their direction? So we've, we've formed a, a committee to really like celebrate and honor teachers. And so I want to be cognizant of, of what people are going through. Uh, but there's a number of things that we do around the school where uh, we just try to have a little bit of fun. 
Mm-hmm. And to take, again, this really in, in education is a very serious industry. I mean, we, we're dealing with the most precious resource in the world, our children. Yes. And so we want to do a great job. Uh, but, yeah, people are in a funk and that sort of thing. Um, just trying to be self-aware, trying to be empathetic to connect with where people are at. Uh, checking in on them, you know, letting them know that that I'm there for them. Is there anything I can do? Uh, but then also dispatching this uh, sort of teacher celebration team and trying to, you know, brighten their their spirits. Uh, that could be again a group of kids and singing them songs, or you know, we we've got um, you know snacks and that kind of thing. There's different awards that people earn. Uh, write a bunch of thank you cards, and there's a, a number of events that we do. So we just try to keep the whole environment. Uh, connected and uh, family oriented. Uh, so those are some of the things that I try to do. Oh, that sounds really great. Now, I know you've been working in the field of leadership and helping people be better leaders for quite a quite a while. Can you tell us how you got into that and what you've done with that? Yeah, you know, it was just it was listening to podcasts and, and I was listening to John Lee Dumas, an entrepreneur on fire. Uh, somebody turned me on to him and, you know, I don't know if it's something that he says or I'm not sure if it's something that he taught or just a sense I got, you know, listening and getting inspired. But it's it's one of those ideas like, why not me? You know, mm-hmm. and I, I started looking at education and what was out there on iTunes. And I'm like, if I if I love podcasts so much, maybe I should just make one and just see what happens. You know, everyone says it's not that expensive to create one. I and mean, you can invest as much as you want in terms of, you know, building email lists and running ads and all this other kind of stuff. But if you just really want to make one, it's it, the barriers are very, very small to get in. And so I figured, hey, let me try it out, see what happens. The other thing, too, is that around Chicago, we tried to get some like dinners organized where leaders would come together and be very vulnerable about you know what they've struggled with, mistakes, what they've learned, and just talk about leadership, frustrations, challenges, and how to break through them. Uh, and what I found is that, you know, people didn't want to do that so much. I don't know if it's the busyness of life or whatever. And so I was just like, forget it. You know, I'm going to reach out and I'm going to ask the biggest people and anyone that I think is a smart leader that I can learn from. And even if I get just one thing, one thing from the interview, it's worth it for me. So I created Better Leaders, Better Schools really for myself. And then hoping that if people tuned in, that they get some value from it as well. I've learned a lot. I've grown so much as a leader. At this point, uh, I've recorded over 100. You know, I've released uh, about at time of this recording, 65 episodes. Uh, and I've just learned so much developed as a leader. And it's cool because, you know, it's it started to establish me as a thought leader with education leadership. Uh, it's connected me with some really interesting people that are now my friends. Uh, and I've been able to do some things, whether it's running an online sort of leadership sprint, I call it, where just over two and a half hours we talk about leadership. There's videos and then uh, responding through Slack and kind of having this community uh, response to leadership. Or I started a, a couple mas- masterminds. I've, I have 15 coaching clients and it's, it's fantastic. These are some of my favorite people. And every Tuesday and Thursday, uh, my two groups, we, we meet from eight to nine. And, you know, we we check in, we read a leadership book, discuss that. And then somebody has the hot seat. They talk about a challenge they're facing and we help them work through it. And that's what I was always looking for before I even started the podcast. And now it exists for me uh, at least minimum 
you know, two hours for the masterminds and let's say another two for two, two interviews I record. And I'm getting this constant leadership development every single week. And most of it I put out for free. The mastermind is a, you know, that, that is a, a subscription based, um, service, but it's, it's fantastic. It's all about leadership. And, and that's the story behind better leaders, better schools. Wow, that is really, really good. And you're helping so many people. And I'm wondering, as you've interviewed, well, you said over 100 interviews you've done, what are some of the most mindful people that you've interviewed? What are some of the most mindful techniques that they've used for living in the moment and connecting with people? I think, uh, you know, an attitude of not taking yourself too seriously, of, of uh, being able to ask for help of being very self-aware of, of where you're at, um, you know, that you can apologize when you make a mistake. And you're able to do this type of stuff because of mindfulness, of being present, mm-hmm. really understanding of what's going on, you know, every minute to minute inside your your heart, you know, in your soul, the emotions you're feeling and noticing, right? Mindfulness is really about noticing what's going on and then being able to act on that too. So if, if, you know, you ask, how do you connect with teachers that might be down in the dumps or, uh, sometimes I'm a, I'm a strong leader. So sometimes I move kind of fast and, uh, as a result, things might not go perfectly every time and then I'll have to readjust. Right. Well, you want to notice like the adjustments that need to be made if, if you're completely unaware of what's going on. Um, so those are some of the things I think that, that people, uh, have taught me. Um, and a metaphor I can use too is, is, you know, they don't think they're teaching mindfulness, but they are. It's, it's getting out of your office and not, um, just yourself, right. And getting connected with kids and teachers and doing office type work in the classroom. And the reason I say that's like a mindfulness metaphor is just because again, it's about noticing and it's about being present. And if I stay in my office all day, people might not even know I'm on campus. They, they might even forget that I exist. I have the title principal, but where is this guy? Yeah. However, if I go to classrooms and I hang out and I interact with teachers and kids and do some work while in the classroom, uh, I'm connected, you know, and my mindfulness yes. is about connecting with yourself. And I think that helps you connect with others. So do you have a specific routine that you follow to kind of stay connected with students? Do you get out every, like, let's say every lunch or something like that? 90% of the lunches I'm in the cafeteria. Uh, so, so we do, we do that. Uh, on my best days, I get in the halls too. Um, and I try to do work in the classrooms. Uh, it's, it's, now the first, I'd say month and a half, I was doing that really exceptionally well. The last month, it's been more of a challenge and I, I need to fix that. And that's because being new to the school, being new to the state, new to the city of Houston, there's so much to learn about the mm-hmm. culture, but about the district, how they operate. So the leadership part, the relationship part, I can do that. I'm really confident there. But how, you know, how the, the district operates, how they respond to this kind of challenge, you know, just even how they evaluate teachers, all that is such a learning curve. I've had to be selfish and take some time to be quiet and just learn that. And to be honest, I have very strong boundaries too. And mindfulness helps me with this, being connected to myself, knowing what I need to be the best principal I could be. Uh, I don't, I have very strong boundaries about what kind of work I do outside of work. And that that's called nothing. <laughs> so unless it's, unless it's an emergency, right? 
Yeah. Some they have my phone number. They'll call or text, and then I'll respond. But I don't. I don't check email at night, and I don't want to. And I don't bring homework because I don't want to. I want to hang out with friends. I want to read books. I want to run. I want to meditate. You know, I want to do things that give me life. And I'm not going to be a job. The job will not ever define me. And uh, you know, hopefully, people are okay with that. Uh, but even if they're not, that's okay because that's that's my boundary for my life. And right. uh, and I'm I'm okay with that myself. Wow, that's. I think that's admirable. Daniel, I've, been, I've worked in bullying prevention for over a decade, and I've seen how mindfulness can really make a huge positive difference in the lives of children or adults who have been bullied. Do you have a story you can share with us which maybe mindfulness would have made a positive difference? So I've got a story and I've, I've got some resources. We'll do the resources really quick because I don't have a story around it. So I, I shared with you, Bruce, a couple articles. It's up to you yeah. if you want to... Th- them in the show notes, but one thing I'm awesome, awesome. One thing I'm really interested in is I've seen a lot of articles within the last year talking about how school districts are using mindfulness and meditation as an alternative to detention and suspension, and they're seeing incredible decreases in uh, repeated behavior, repeated offenses, and kids that are uh, able to handle what they're basically like what's triggering them right because this mindfulness is helping them notice uh oh here this here this comes and i don't have to respond and so that's why uh you know negative behaviors are are uh decreasing you know nationwide with schools that are adopting this policy so that brings us to the story and so i met a, re- a really amazing girl that i'm dating and uh you know, we're, we're, we're both, she's 35, I'm 38. And so we have a past and I've noticed sometimes when she brings up things, I start getting triggered and that, and then I thought more about it. Uh, and that might be because of, uh, uh, my parents' divorce or, you know, uh, knowing again that, that my dad, what the guy who raised me isn't my father. Right. And I found out that my biological father's somebody else, but that happened in the context of marriage. And so that makes it a little complex because that means there was some unfaithfulness, you know, and then yes. it's complex too. Cause like supposedly there was love and all this stuff, but you know, we're not going to do a whole show about that, but there's, there's some pain there. And so what I realized is when she talks about some old stuff, some old history or whatever, um, cause she had a friend that's going through, um, a really terrible thing. She found out just the other day that her, uh, boyfriend that she's been together with four or five years uh, w- was cheated on her and got another woman pregnant. And she found this out over text and it's really terrible. Right. And yes. so um, and, and then I found out like this guy also has kind of hit on my girlfriend and said some inappropriate things. And he actually tries to like when when he, when his girlfriend's out of town, he texts my girlfriend and be like, hey, you know, what are you doing? And this kind of stuff. And it, it seems kind of innocent, but I know as a man, it's not. He's trying to hook up with her. And so what I realized, though, based on my family of origin pain, I'm reacting to him and because I'm, I'm mad about my past and I'm also mad at his choices and it's getting like amplified. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm turning into the incredible Hulk like I am starting to rage and I'm yeah. getting mad about it. And so and then I'll, I'll, I'll characterize this guy and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll judge him, which isn't fair. And I might call him names and that kind of thing. And and the funny thing is, is. I'm, I'm doing all this because I'm hurt from the past. I'm doing this because I want to let her know that I'm going to set this guy straight, that he's not going to talk to her in any type of way like that it, to protect her. 
And so that's kind of like what I wanted to think is a good feeling to protect her. But since I'm acting kind of ugly and calling him names and, you know, just getting angry about it, I'm actually becoming someone she doesn't like. And that that was very frustrating to me. And so the story there is just that by being mindful and I really reflected on this and then did some soul searching and then I realized there's a trigger there and I I hadn't noticed that before. And so when she brought it up again and I felt in my heart something start to bubble up, I realized and mindfulness has taught me there's this thing that comes out, this emotion But the choices I make, what did I do with that emotion? They don't have to be connected and they don't have to be negative. And so that's where that idea of the balloon and letting it go is super important. And that's where separating myself. I am not an angry. I'm not, you know, a vengeful person. That's not my identity. But I have this feeling of anger. And now what do I what do I choose to do with it? So I think what mindfulness teaches us is that we notice it, you know, yeah. And we realize that it's there. Yes. But then I take breaths, right? You can count to five. Uh, you don't have to respond. She doesn't have to be protected. Uh, it, it's not a life and death situation. He's not here right now doing this. You know what I mean? This happened yes. in the past. So I don't have to be that type of person is what I've realized. Uh, and through mindfulness, that that helps me deal with conflict in this sort of situation and uh, it helps me not be an ugly person, but a compassionate person, a generous person, a, a empathetic person. Because she just wants to be heard. She doesn't yeah. want the solution. She doesn't want to know that you know I'm gonna whoop his butt and tell him that he ain't gonna talk to her that way. She right. just wants to be heard. Yeah. And sure. so, and that's that's something that I've learned through mindfulness. Yeah. That's a great story, Daniel. My next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is yes. one person who has influenced your mindfulness? Uh, so I know you asked about books, too. And so I'm reading this book, Search Inside Yourself. And it's it's really just rocking my world. And uh, his name is uh, Chade Meng Tan. And are you familiar with this book? I'm not. Oh, wow. Great. So hopefully the listeners haven't heard it either. But this is a Google engineer that, uh, you know, helped found Google from what I understand, but then moved into this HR role and designed a course that was based on science to help Google employees practice mindfulness and experience more joy and happiness and success within a professional context. And this this book has been just rocking my world, ringing my bell, and it's so appropriate because that story I just shared, you know, happened a couple of weeks ago, yes. and the, you know, chapter I'm on now, in the previous chapter was about self regulation, self awareness, and now how to deal with triggers, and this is where I, you know, got all that stuff. And the neat thing is, I was able to apply it right away and see success. Oh, that's and, great. Yeah, yeah. So I would I would say this guy because I mean, it, uh, it's really helped me have um, sort of a understanding of why it works. You know what I mean? Yeah. I listen to podcasts, your podcast, or Entrepreneur on Fire. Everybody's like, oh, meditate. You know? Yeah. Be mindful. Okay, but why? And you hear stories of success and stuff. And this one's neat because it, it kind of gives some uh, science behind it too, uh, with results of of why it works. 
Yeah, I really like hearing the science behind it. Now, Dan, you've talked about emotions already, but can you just sum it up? How has mindfulness affected your emotions? It helps me notice them. It helps me be aware of that they exist. And it helps me separate them from, uh, I guess, like what follows. So even if it's a great happiness or a great hurt, I could just notice it and then choose to respond in, in a positive way as opposed to letting emotions dictate where I go. There's a story in Search Inside Yourself where there's a guy, uh, let's say a, a more affluent guy on a horse. And he's riding down a, a, a dirt road and there's a peasant on the on the ground and he says, sir, you know, where are you riding? He says, why are you asking me? Ask the horse. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's the whole point. Your emotions are the horse, but you can you can command the horse where you want it to go. You don't have to let it just run crazy and uh, bring you wherever it wants. Yeah, for sure. Well, you've also mentioned about breathing. Can you also summarize your how breathing helps you with your mindfulness? It slows you down. And so when you're focused on your breath, you know, I find that, that, that there's slower, uh, more intentional breaths. Uh, brings your heart rate down and it, it, you know, it just brings you into a place of calmness. Uh, so that's why I enjoy, you know, when meditating to really focus on the breath. Plus, you're like, how do you meditate? And it's okay that your mind wanders, but the breath is like, it's the centering piece. So, you know, you start thinking, hey, are the Cubs going to win the World Series? I hope they do, right? Coming from Chicago. Well, you yeah. think about that while you're meditating. Okay, back to the breath. Breathe in, breathe out. Oh, my website doesn't work. You know, what's what are the consequences? Back to the breath, breathe in, breathe out. <laughs> so it's about it's about calmness and uh, uh, decluttering your mind. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, uh, I'm sure the book that you'll recommend is Search Inside Yourself. Can you repeat the name of the author one more time? Yeah, Chade uh, Meng Tan. And I'll, I'll type that up and uh, get you the link, Bruce. Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name 100% correctly. Uh, but just a really incredible book. You know, I think every listener should buy it right now. Go out and get it because it's, it's just so, it's been so impactful in my life. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? I use Calm. Uh, I really enjoy that. To be honest, I think Headspace taught me more about meditation than Calm did. Um, but Headspace is really expensive. <laughs> and I didn't want to pay that type of money for a, a yearly subscription. Uh, so I use Calm and I do like it a lot. It helps me meditate, helps me be mindful. Um, but I find that the, the uh, what do they call it, the start 10 or whatever it is, Headspace helped you develop a routine really well and also kind of taught you the bare bones of what meditation was and gave me some foundational insights of what it is, what it isn't, and that you don't need to be perfect. So check out both those, but I use Calm more than I use Headspace. Thanks for that. Daniel, it has really been great talking with you today and learning how you use mindfulness in your life. How can we contact you, learn more about what you do? How can we get your podcast into our agenda? Tell us all those connections. If you Google Better Leaders, Better Schools, I'm going to come up. Daniel Bauer, I'm going to come up. I've worked hard at that, so I should be on the first page there. Um, but betterleadersbetterschools.com. Uh, you can also text the word unlock now all together. So don't separate it. Unlock now is one word uh, to three, three, four, four, four. 
And what you'll get is a free gift. It's the 15 challenging questions guaranteed to unlock your leadership potential today. One of those questions would be, are my actions consistent with my words? And then there's 14 other just hard-hitting questions you could ask yourself in the morning. You could ask yourself midday just to kind of keep you on track, especially if you consider yourself a leader. So that, that'll get you connected to me as well. Oh, that's great, Daniel. And for anybody that's not in the United States, is there a way also to get that? Because I don't think usually you can uh, text that number and have success outside of the United States. Hey, if anybody just wants to reach out to me, Daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com, I'll send it to you. It's a PDF. So yeah, if you can't text that, no problem. Uh, just, just send me an email and I'll get it to you. That's super. Daniel, thanks so much for being with us today. Mindful Tribe, I'm sure that you've just just soaked up so many gold nuggets from Daniel. So thanks again, Daniel, for being with us. Bruce, it was my honor. Thanks for connecting with me today. My pleasure. Bye now. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.